Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Uh, I want to continue uh, discussing shame. So last week, Pastor Jordan delivered a powerful message for us, and I hope that you caught this. If not, I want to ask you to go back and watch it on our YouTube channel or on our, on our um, website. Uh, in the middle of this, he touched on shame. And it's amazing to me that the Lord is continuing us in this conversation about shame. It's not something that I had planned for us to talk about, but I think it's something that the Lord wants to say to us as a congregation. And so to take us back a few weeks when we first started talking about shame, before we got into Genesis chapter 3 where sin entered the world, there was a powerful closing verse at the end of Genesis chapter 2, and this was that verse. And Adam and his wife, the last part of that says, they felt no shame. What a beautiful way to begin God's creation. He spoke the world into existence, and then he said it was good. And when it was good, there was no shame. That's how we end Genesis chapter 2. And then we get to Genesis chapter 3. We looked at this, and because of sin... Shame entered into the world. So sin led to shame. But we have to be aware of how the enemy works through sin and shame and the continued work to destroy God's creation, us. So Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Do you see how the enemy's at work here, even in the beginning of Genesis chapter 4? The enemy didn't stop and say, I won. I've got you with sin. I've covered you in shame. And so I have defeated God's plan and I am the winner. No, the enemy kept working. Hear me when I say this to your church. Whenever you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, all of your pain and all of your suffering does not go away. The enemy doesn't stop fighting for you at that moment. The enemy keeps working and keeps working and keeps working because his plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will not stop working until this earth is no more. 
Do you see how the enemy's working here in Genesis chapter 4? Here's what's happened. We finally have Adam and Eve, and they have Cain and Abel. Sin did not exempt Cain and Abel. And so Cain and Abel come to offer an offering to the Lord. Abel offered that which was acceptable to the Lord. Cain did not. Cain, in offering what was not acceptable, in offering just the fat as opposed to the best, Cain sinned. So now Cain is living like his mom and dad, Adam and Eve in the garden. And what does sin that's not resolved do? Sin, not resolved, always leads to shame. And then God shows us right here in Genesis chapter 4 what happens when we don't deal with shame. Did you catch that as we were reading it? It says in verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 5, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So the Lord isn't happy. Cain knows that he sinned. And then because of that sin, he's covered up in shame. And then the end of verse 5, this is what the Lord showed me. And it's so powerful and you cannot miss this. Sin leads to shame. Shame leads to Genesis 4, 5. The end of that it says, So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Unresolved shame is a consequence of unresolved sin. Whenever you don't deal with sin, you always get shame. And whenever you don't deal with shame, you always get anger. And man, is this world angry today. Just turn on the news. Grab a newspaper. You'll see anger everywhere. And we think that we have to help people get past anger. When we are fighting against anger, we're fighting against the wrong thing. Because anger is unresolved shame. Shame is unresolved sin. So what is the problem? It's not that somebody's angry with us. The problem is sin. And we have to start fighting the battle against sin because we have the power and authority that Jesus, when when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, that defeated sin and defeated the consequences of sin. We have to stop fighting the wrong battle and start fighting against sin in this world. Because if we want a world that's not angry, then we have to have a world that is not living in sin. Sin leads to shame. Shame leads to anger. It's always this way. And so as I'm wrestling with this and I'm, and I'm fighting with this and I'm sitting in this revelation of the Lord, the Lord just strongly impressed on me what we always see as the next step is destruction. Because your anger can destroy you. And I don't know about you, But I've seen that in people in my life, how their anger has destroyed them, and they're fighting to overcome anger issues, and they're fighting to overcome all of this that they think is anger when the truth of the matter, it's the work of the enemy that has them paralyzed in their anger, and we have to get to the sin issue that caused the anger in the first place. Unresolved sin leads to unresolved shame. 
which leads to unresolved anger, which leads to destruction. There is a resolution for this, and we will get to this. But what we have to see is the, prog- the progression of what happened in Cain's life here. He didn't offer the right offering. He was trying to make a shortcut. He sinned. And then instead of just coming clean with his sin and confessing that sin to God, he got to the place that his mom and dad did and hiding in the shame. And then in hiding in the shame, it led to verse 5, which was the anger. And then we can see how this plays out. But it, all throughout this process, we can get to the place to where we have, we have to get to the place to where we recognize the work of the enemy. The work of the enemy always, always, always is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus told us what the enemy was doing in John 10.10. My favorite verse, because it reminds me, it kind of gives me a test of testing situations. Jesus said, the thief, that's the enemy, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. What does sin do? It steals, it kills, and destroys. What does shame do? It steals, it kills, and destroys. What does anger do? It steals, it kills, and destroys. It always leads to destruction. But Jesus said at the end of this verse, I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Listen, if you are not living the abundant life that Jesus has for you, I give you an invitation today to walk away from sin, to walk away from shame, to overcome the anger that always leads to destruction and stand and walk in the freedom of the abundant life that Jesus plans for you. Sin leads to shame that leads to anger, and it always ends in destruction. But Jesus' plan is for us to walk out of that and walk in the freedom of relationship with him. So as I begin to ask God the question, why is this happening? Well, how is the enemy, and I'm asking God, God, give me some more understanding of the ways that the enemy works. And the the Holy Spirit just starts revealing various different things. And we see this everywhere in our world today. And we, I've, I've shared this with you before, but it frustrates me when we as a church think that there is some other type of answer outside of relationship with Jesus Christ that's gonna fix the problems of the world. Because if there was another option for us, Jesus would have never had to come and endure the shame that we have on the cross. God would have caused Caesar to ride in on a wonderful, beautiful horse and be able to fix the issues that were plaguing God's children. God would have been able to use the judges or the prophets from the Old Testament or even the kings from the Old Testament that could have fixed the problems of of his children. But none of that works. The only thing that works for us is Jesus Christ. Adrian, I sent you a slide um, after I start, um, just before I came up. If you would add that for me, please. The only thing that's going to fix this world is Jesus Christ. 
And what we have to do is move past the mess of the world and fall in love with Jesus Christ. And listen, unless we do it in these walls, the world is never going to do it. They're constantly going to be looking for the Donald Trumps and the Joe Bidens of the world. They're constantly going to be trying to find more solutions and more social services and more various answers and more money to pour into all of these problems. But nothing can fix sin. Nothing can fix shame. Nothing can fix anger except for the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is where we have to find our answer. We have to get to the place to where we are so hungry for the abundant life that Jesus has for us, we're not going to fall prey for the tricks of this world, and we're going to walk away and overcome all of the mess of the enemy in the way that Jesus gave us that power when he died on the cross, and it was said, it is finished. This is our hope. This is where we must be as a church. So we have to deal with this problem. We have to get over the sin issue. We have to get over this anger issue. We have to get over this shame issue that always leads us to destruction. But here's what you have to know. We can't. We can't do that. And you know what I think some of us are doing? Is we're trying to battle the anger issues on our own and then we fail and we wonder why we're falling we're failing we wonder why we keep tripping over ourselves and we fall well it's because we're trying to deal with these issues on our own we think well I've got to find a better counselor we think well I've got to find some better books to read I've got to start acting better. I've got to hang around with better friends or I've got to be better at this or I've got to be better at that. If I just put a little more effort or if I put a little more time on it, if I just try a little harder, 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 then I'm going to be able to overcome these issues. No, you won't. And that's why you're falling. Jesus died to overcome these issues. We cannot overcome these issues. The only way that we will be able to overcome these issues is when we rely on the blood of Jesus Christ. So as I'm standing here a little bit ago, the Lord brought this image back to my mind. On the left side of this is destruction. On the right side of this is the beauty and splendor that God has for us. And if you will notice, if the cross wasn't there, there is no way to span that gulf. There is no way for us to go over here from sin and shame and anger and get to the abundant life that God has for us. The only way to do that is through what Jesus offered on the cross. And we have to stop trying to span that gulf ourselves. And stop thinking that there's something that we're going to do as a church to enact some type of amazing program that can fix the sin, shame, and anger issues of the world. Because we can't. That was the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross. We cannot fix this. But he destroyed the work of the enemy. He broke the chains of bondage of sin. He destroyed the shame that comes as a consequences of sin. And he prevented or he made a way that can keep you from getting to anger that is unresolved shame, that is unresolved sin through his bloodshed on a cross. You cannot fix it on your own. So how do we know that this is the case? 
take a look at Mark chapter 15. As I pressed the Lord over and over, dealing with this anger issue that Cain had, and God warned him, God warned Cain, and he said, this is going to destroy you. This is going to ruin your life, Cain. So as I pressed the Lord, and as I, and as I sat listening, he took me to Mark chapter 15. And watch, in Mark chapter 15, starting at verse 21, I'm going to read several verses here, but it's important that you follow along to hear what the Holy Spirit was saying to me in this. This is the crucifixion of Jesus. Verse 21 of Mark 15. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the follower of, of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry Jesus' cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes, and they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read this, the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled their insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. This, let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole earth until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling out Elijah. One man ran filled with, and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down to take him, they cried. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard this cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. So here Jesus is harassed, he's ridiculed, he's beaten, he's abandoned, he's rejected. And listen, this is the exact opposite of what Jesus deserved. Whenever we read this passage, we often see this horrible way that they were destroying God in the flesh, which was Emmanuel, God with us. We read through this over and over, and we, we, we fixate on the actual cross and what was happening on the cross. But as you read this passage and you examine it through our relationship with Jesus, what you begin to discover is the ridicule. You get the harassment, and you get the abandonment and the rejection that Jesus was experiencing. But what we also have to get at the end of this passage Whenever Mark tells us that the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, Matthew 15 verse 38 is the power for us to overcome anger and shame and sin. 
Because this is the moment that Jesus took on our shame. He was ridiculed. They spit on him. They laughed at him. They beat him. They mocked him. They were making fun of Jesus. And it was Jesus, God in the flesh, that took our shame, that prevented us from being destroyed from the destruction that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. As we read this passage in Mark chapter 15, you have to catch what Jesus did for you on the cross. And you can't only focus on the sin part, but you have to get to the place to where you recognize what Jesus was carrying for you in this moment. So if you are experiencing shame and anger in your life on a regular basis... What has happening is the enemy is blocking the abundant life that Jesus has for you, and you are not experiencing what Jesus did for you at the end of Mark chapter 15. And you have to stop battling sin and shame and anger, and you have to just start living in that abundant relationship that God actually has for you. Jesus did not just bear your sin on the cross. He also bore your shame to keep your anger from destroying you. Jesus took all of that on himself on the cross for you. So here's what you have to know, and here's how you get to that abundant life. Jesus gave you a gift. Jesus gave you a way to stop getting angry. Jesus gave you a way when he took all of the shame that you would find in your life upon him. Jesus paved the way when his blood was shed as a sin payment for you. Jesus made a way to get you from the destruction of the enemy to the abundant life that God has for you. Jesus brings freedom from sin whenever you accept that and live in right relationship with him. Not only does he give you freedom from sin, but he has destroyed the shame and made a way to prevent you from getting to the place of anger. He set you free spiritually. And listen, shame and anger are spiritual issues. Did you catch that? Shame and anger are spiritual issues. The enemy wants to lie to us, to force us to believe that what anger is telling us is the truth. And it's not. You know what it is with shame? The enemy is lying to us in shame. Whenever we start believing the lies he says to us, it's a spiritual issue. Shame and anger are spiritual issues that manifest themselves in the flesh. And we've got to stop fighting the flesh and start fighting the enemy with the blood of Jesus Christ. Because John 8, 36 tells us that if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And if we are fighting in the flesh, we're fighting the wrong battles. We have to receive that which God has given to us in the spiritual realm. So what did Jesus take? Jesus took your sin that leads to shame. He took your shame that leads to anger. He took your anger that then leads to destruction. He's carrying all of that. So my question to you is why do you want to try to carry it yourself? 
Jesus is, is able to carry that for us. And He, if you are willing this morning, will take that burden off of you and put it on His shoulders so that you can be free indeed. Don't miss this. He has taken these things from you and He has given you His righteousness. Listen, this is the exchanged life that He desires for us to live in the first place. He doesn't want you caught in sin. He doesn't want you um, uh, crippled by shame. He doesn't want you caught up and wrapped up in your anger. He does not want you destroyed. He came in the flesh so he could take all of that on himself and exchange and give you his righteousness. And you know what happens to us? We keep going in our past because we're believing these lies from the enemy. We keep going into our past and we keep trying to bring that mess into our future. And God is saying, let me carry it for you you and just stop the wrestling on yourself because he wants to take that for us. We cannot operate in sin, shame, and anger. We instead have to operate as his righteousness and stop believing the lies of the enemy. We have to exchange our lives. So how do we do that? I've told you a bit of how we do that. A couple of weeks ago, I gave you an illustration when Lucy and Ashley came up on the stage. And I showed you that the only way to overcome sin is to operate in a sin covering, or a, um, a covering from sin and from what the enemy wants us to do. And so if we were standing here, as, as we stood on the stage, if we were standing here and somebody were to pour a cup of water over me, I would stay dry from that. Because I've got a covering above me. The choice for us is what is going to be your covering? Is Jesus going to be your covering? So that when this enemy pours shame because of your past over you, to try to anger you, to destroy you, is Jesus going to be your covering? Or are you going to try to cover yourselves and hope for the best and stand here like this and say, I'm not going to get wet? I'm not going to get wet. You see, you can choose. Do you want Jesus to be your covering so that you stay dry when the enemy attacks? Or are you going to find something else? And I'm here to tell you today, every time you get wet from sin, it's when you stand there saying, I'm not going to get wet. I'm going to cover myself. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to be the best little Christian. I'm going to hang out with the best people. I'm going to do the best things. I'm going to do everything I can so that I don't get wet from these enemies' attacks. And you can't do it, and that's why you keep falling. But you have to have, praise God, the blood of Jesus that covers you. And no matter what the enemy throws at you, you're not going to get wet. No matter what's in your past that he's forgiven, the enemy cannot bring it into your future because you've got a covering. So what are you going to allow to cover yourselves? Are you going to allow the enemy to fool you? Or are you going to get caught up and covered by the blood of Jesus? In 1 John 2, verse 1 and 2, says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 
In essence, what John is saying is, you have to have a covering. I want you to not fall prey to sin that leads to shame, that leads to anger, that leads to destruction. John is saying, you have to have a covering. And then he tells us, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Who is that? Who is our advocate with the Father? John says, it's Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Here, church, is our sin covering. It doesn't say we have to be perfect. It doesn't say that we're not going to make a mistake now and then and we do, we do sin. We're not going to be able to always live sinless lives. We, try, we strive for that. We ask for the Holy Spirit's power to help us with that. But listen, John is saying, when you do sin, and when the enemy does trip you up, and when you do have those moments that you're trying to cover yourself, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ, the righteousness who came to give himself, taking the shame, taking the sin, destroying the anger, and He is the one that paid for our sins, and He can be our sin covering. The only way to live free from sin and shame is for you continually to allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to wash over your life. And in the moments that we fail and we're trying to cover ourselves from sin, we're not washing ourselves with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what Jesus did in Mark chapter 15. We're striving on our own and we're attempting to get over sin and to overcome the issues for us in life. And Jesus wants us to just stop that and begin to allow the gospel to wash over our lives. So this morning, my invitation for you is to get over the past, get over the sin in the past, get over the shame in the past, crush the enemy's uh, attack of anger and begin to allow the gospel to wash over you daily. So here's what I would do if I were you. I would ask God to forgive me of all my sin. If that is not where you've started, then you're always going to be in a, in a path that leads to destruction. Because Jesus came and he died for your sin. And you have to start there in receiving that gift that he's given to you. And then, if you have given your sin to Jesus, you have to live under that covering that God has for you. Allow the gospel to wash over you every single day to cleanse your heart and to actually purify you. It starts every day spending time with God so that you are not trying to find a solution. Instead, you have taken the solution, which is Jesus, and washed yourself in that daily. That's the gift that God has for you. So are you tired of wrestling with the enemy on your own? Are you sick and tired of always finding yourself angry because of things in your life? You think, well, I've just got an anger problem. That's who I am. No, no, no. That's a lie from the enemy. And Jesus is here to break that today. You think, well, this is just how God made me. I'm no better than the mess that I am. And I go out and I fail and I fail. That's just who I am. No, no, no. That is a lie from the enemy. 
John told us that we have his righteousness. And when God sees you, when you've allowed the gospel to wash you and cleanse you, when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin past. He doesn't see the things where you failed in your life. He instead only sees his righteousness in you. And when we allow the enemy to come into our past and try to bring that mess and lie to us to cause shame, to cause anger, to cause destruction in our life, we're not living the abundant life. And we've got to break those chains this morning. So are you ready? Are you sick and tired of how the enemy has just been wearing you out every day because of things in your past? You've got to get it out in the open and confess it to him and say, God, this is what I've got in my past. He already knows it. I mean, you're not going to tell him anything that, you don't, that he doesn't already know. So stop being ashamed of things that God already knows. Just come clean with God. It's like being a parent. Kids come and they tell you something. Well, yeah, chances are as a parent, we already knew. We're just waiting for them to come clean with us. And then in that moment, we get to lavish them in love and have some gentle correction in the path that they should be walking. That's how God is with us. He already knows. He's just waiting for us to confess it to him. And in that moment, we give it to him and we then take that sin covering, the righteousness of God, so we don't get caught up in shame and anger. You have to get this, you have to get sin confessed to God because unresolved sin leads to shame. Unresolved shame leads to anger. Unresolved anger always leads to destruction. And what you have to know is if you don't resolve these things with the blood of Jesus Christ, you are always going to find your path You're always going to find yourself on the path to destruction. So today, we have to stop the anger. We have to crush the shame. And we have to repent of the sin. Jesus is here this morning. He's been waiting for you in this moment. This is the time that he wants you to spend with him. He wants to meet with you. And he wants to be that covering for you. Will you be willing to meet with him? Will you be willing to stop trying to hide and cover yourself or self-medicate and instead take that righteousness of God And let that be your covering. This is the moment that God has for you. To destroy the sin. To crush the shame. And break the chains of anger. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you. And that you continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time. Have a great week.